Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Welcome to Living Word Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Nathan Olson. It's a blessing and a joy to be with you today, to share God's Word with you, and to spend some time meditating on it together. It's our prayer that as we come to God's Word today, that you would see it do as it promises to do. That it would convict your hearts of sin, point you to your Savior Jesus, and teach you what it means to follow after Him. You see, our belief in conviction is that this isn't like any other ordinary book you might find on a shelf. But that this is God's Word. It's His Word to you. That it's inspired, inerrant, and true from cover to cover. Because of those convictions, we come today with uh, an eagerness an expectation of what God is wanting to do in our hearts and lives. It's our prayer today that as you come and you hear his words, that these things would be happening in your heart today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you. We ask, Lord, you be glorified and lifted high, exalted through the proclamation of your word. Uh, Lord, I would ask that uh, there be sin in our hearts that needs to be convicted, Lord, that you would do that. Point us to your perfect ways in our lives and help us to long for that and follow Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Today we are jumping into Luke chapter 6. We're going throughout the gospel of Luke and we are going to be in this for, for quite a while as a church. We're just kind of going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, working our way through the book. And in chapter 6 of Luke, we hear two discourses about Sabbath observance. Two Discourses about Sabbath, uh, Sabbath Observances. And the title for our message today is The Coming of a New Perspective. And we see that when Jesus as the Messiah uh, comes onto the scene, that he kind of flips everything on its head, that he brings a lot of changed ways of thinking about things. Not necessarily changing, scrapping things altogether, but we see that a lot of times people had taken the Word of God and then maybe had commingled it or muddied it with their own agendas or their own personal views. And they had come maybe a far way from where God's intent was for it. And we specifically see that with these Sabbath observances that was going on in the culture. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be reading, starting with the first five verses there. It says, On a Sabbath... While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. During the time of of Jesus, just to give you a little bit of historical basis for this, the religious leaders of the day had taken the rules and ordinances of God and they had added a lot to them. They had um, made a lot of things burdensome for the people and had added obligations and duties and regulations to that which had been given to them by God. Uh, Particularly in regards to the Sabbath day, they had done this. And there was oracles and and statements from these religious leaders about what people could do and they couldn't do on the Sabbath, this day of rest for the people of God. 
um, there was a certain amount of steps that people were allowed to take. And if they took more than that, they were sinning. They weren't resting. Or there were certain ways that they could go about cooking or laboring or helping people. And if they did too much, and that was exerting energy and it was considered a work. And then they were breaking the commandments of honoring the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And all of these activities that these were that, that were added here, these were not commandments that were instructed by God. These were man-made things. They were man constructs that were superimposed onto the law. Kind of like add-ons. You know, we have add-ons in different um, areas of technology, things that maybe supplement or, or supposedly help us. Well, that's what these ritual acts were from the, the religious rulers. They were, they were little helps or tips of how to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What does that mean? The problem is, is that these add-ons or these helps or tips, they had become so ingrained in the culture, so much a part of the tradition, that they became like the law itself. And in Luke chapter 6, we hear about one of these add-ons, something that the Pharisees had brought in or superimposed onto the people. And that's particularly here about this plucking grain, right? We see in verse 1, the disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. And the Pharisees come and they make a stink about it. They say to Jesus, why, why are your disciples doing that which is unlawful to do on the Sabbath? And interestingly, if you, if you look back in the Old Testament and you see if you can find that law, you can search all you want, but it's not there. You're not going to find it. If you, if you go back and open up your Old Testament and see where does it say that you can't pluck grain and rub it in your hands and eat it on the Sabbath day, you're not going to find it. This was a, a rabbinic ritual that was added and slowly came part of the cultural expectation. It was a way that they were describing to people, this is what it means to rest and make sure you're not doing work and honoring the Sabbath. And so they had superimposed this tradition into the lives of the people. And now they were treating it as law. They were, they were essentially treat, treating their tradition as if it was the very word of God. And before we go judging this too much, it's important for us to recognize that sometimes we do this today as well, don't we? There's certain traditions that sometimes we have in the church that we start and it becomes the only way that we could ever conceive of doing something. And, and if somebody does something to buck their tradition, my goodness, the sky is falling and everything's falling apart because that's the way that it's been done. But sometimes it's, it's really good to just look at what we're doing and saying, well, did God give a command about this or is this a man-made thing? And, and I'm not saying that all the man-made things are necessarily wrong, but they are definitely not at the same level as God's command, right? They're not even in the same ballpark. Uh, God's command is that which we need to be following resolutely as our supreme authority. And when there are man-made traditions, we can respect them and notice them, but we need to make sure that we're holding them loosely because they are, they are our things that we have added and superimposed as traditions or rituals onto the oracle of God. Even just thinking about maybe how we set up things in church. Why do we have certain things and not others? Uh, a lot of those things are preferences, opinions. Um, they're not a doctrinal dogma or a theological point. They're, they're things that we have adopted because of convenience, 
ritual. It's the way that we've always done things. And that's certainly the case here with the Pharisees. They were doing things and imposing laws on others just because, well, this is what we do. And they had assimilated that into a law. There's a story that's a familiar one about traditions, but it's, it's worth reminding ourselves of, of a daughter who was in college, and she and her roommate were going to make a Christmas ham. And uh, the, the, the daughter took the ham out of the packaging and cut off part of the ham and uh, put the ham in the, the pan, put it in the oven, and threw away the other part. And her roommate was like, what are you doing? We paid good money for this. Why are you cutting off part of it and throwing it away? And she said, well, that's, you know, that's just how you cook a ham, right? You know, that's what my mom always did. And the roommate's like, that's not what you do to cook a ham. What are you doing? That's absurd. And so they got into such a fight about it that they decided to call the daughter's mom and find out why in the world she would ever cook a ham that way. And so they, they call and they find out that the mom also cooked hams that way, but it was just because she had seen her mom do it. And, you know, the roommate and the, the daughter now were curious, and so they, they finally get a hold of the grandma, and they say, Grandma, how come you cooked hams this way? Why were we cutting off the edge of the ham and throwing it away before we cooked it? And she said, well, that's, that's because I needed it to fit in my pan. I didn't have a big enough pan otherwise. And something that was done out of a certain context became just the way everything was done and pretty soon people were doing it not because they knew otherwise but this is just the way it's done right so often that can happen in our context as well it can happen regularly in the church that we just start doing something and going through the motions without really thinking why we're doing this and certainly we see that happening with the pharisees here there was a tradition something that was started this not plucking and eating grain on the sabbath day that somehow that was against the law of god and, and you look back in the old testament it's nowhere there and so uh, jesus gets confronted on this and he he kind of calls it out on the pharisees you know what are you, what are you guys doing you guys are missing the point of the sabbath observance you guys are not looking at the heart of the law here and what's being spoken. And so what we do have is the Old Testament command from the Ten Commandments, right, in Exodus chapter 20, about the Sabbath day. And so let's go back and look at that and, and actually get some context there of what God instructed for his people. Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The command about the Sabbath day that we see in its institution in Exodus 20 is it's a day that's made to be holy. And to be holy means to be set apart. This is a time of rest, a time to honor God. And it's different than all the rest of the parts of our week. And this is given to the people as a blessing, right? It's not given to them as a burden, it's not somehow something handed down to be oppressive or restrictive in a sense, uh, but it, it's something that's handed down to them to bless them. It's a command of God to, to take a day that's different than the rest of your week, 
Don't just run the rat race of life and just work and work and work yourself to death, but take a day that you're going to set apart, that you're going to rest, that you're going to enjoy the Lord, be in his presence, reserve that day to recharge, reflect, etc. It's a blessing from God, this time to honor him that's set apart from the rest of your week. And so the question then kind of becomes, we think about, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. What does it mean to honor the Lord with this day? And I'll give you a hint on this. What it doesn't mean is a day for self-honoring, right? Okay, you see the Pharisees doing that here. They're, they're making it a day for the self-righteous, a day of patting themselves on the back and saying, well, look how great we are. We've jumped through all these hoops and done all these deeds. That's not the intention of this day. It's not a day for honoring self and looking at how good we are, but it's a day for honoring the Lord. And Jesus gives an example then of what this honoring the Lord looks like. It says in verses 3 uh, and 4, Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and, and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any of the priests to eat, but also gave it to those who were with him? And in this example that Jesus gives, what we see is that David was at a place of need. And he ends up receiving this bread, this holy bread that was meant for the priests alone, he ends up receiving it unlawfully. It wasn't lawful for him to have it. And not only David, but he gives it to everyone who is with him. This had been intended to just be for the priest, set apart, holy bread. But Jesus gives us as an example of a good thing. That David, in a time of need, receives that which was holy for him, uh, holy, but even though it wasn't for him. It was unlawful for him to partake in it. Why? Why does Jesus give this example? Because it's an honoring thing to God to love our neighbors and to watch out for their well-being. The, the priest gives David this bread in order that he might be sustained for his travels, that he might be taken care of, that he might have the sustenance to persevere as he's fleeing from Saul. The, the priest is watching out for David. And he takes that which is holy and honorable and set apart and he blesses and loves and reflects the heart of God and how he treats David. What I'd like you to think about as you consider this example that Jesus gives here is that when we show the love of God to those around us, that is an honoring thing to God. And it's actually a very, very set-apart thing from the rest of our week, right? It's a, it's a reflection of God to those around us. I would even say it's a worshipful thing. It's a worshipful thing when we, with our lives, are able to point people to Jesus, point people to the Lord and his love and his working, living our lives, right, as it says in Romans 12, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That is a worshipful thing and an honoring thing to him. We find this other verse as Jesus is talking about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. It says in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What does that mean? It means that this is a day that has been given to us as a blessing. This is a day in which we get to love God, receive Him, reflect Him. This is not supposed to be a burdensome, oppressive thing, friends. But the Pharisees had made it that. Uh, they had become so fixated on the letter of the law that they missed the spirit of the law. 
They, they, were, they were trying to, to make sure that this day had all these things attached to it. Now it's going to be holy. It's going to be good. And they had missed the point. Uh, I don't know if your families are like this, but sometimes I've seen families where they get together for something that should be a special, like a holiday, right? And, and sometimes what can happen is people are so worried about it being a special day, a day that they're going to, to make significant, and we've got to have all the food, everything just right, that it ends up making the day incredibly stressful, incredibly horrible, actually, to be part of, just out of the sake of trying to make sure it's great. That they're, they're trying to follow these things in their mind and they're missing the point of it altogether. And I think that that's very much what Jesus is trying to articulate about the Sabbath day. That the Pharisees were missing the point. This was supposed to be a blessing for the people. It was supposed to be a day of rest, a time to honor God, to reflect his heart and his will to the world. And they had turned it into a bunch of rituals and regulations. Verses 6-11, through 11, we hear about the second Sabbath discourse, it says, On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they would find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to him, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said, Stretch out your hand. And the man did so, and his hand was restored. But the religious leaders were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. I want you to just stop for a second and think about this with me. It says that in verse 11, it says that they were filled with fury. Jesus had just taken a man who for a lifetime had had a withered hand. He was unable to use his hand. And and for us, maybe in our world of medical advancements and technology, that's not as big of a deal. But in the culture where you're using your hands, you're working physically with pretty much every job. This is extremely limiting. And here Jesus works a miracle. He heals this man. And the only response that the Pharisees can muster up is indignation and fury and, and at the audacity that Jesus would do this on a Sabbath day. Friends, sometimes, like the Pharisees, we let rules and regulations get in the way of helping people. Here Jesus is helping this man, and the religious people are trying to stop him. No, nope, it's not allowed today. Come back tomorrow. This is a day for the Lord. And Jesus is like, Yep. You're missing it. I'm right here with you. In his other Sabbath discourses, Jesus points out how foolish this is. He says in Luke 14, Which of you, having a son or an ox that's fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? Do you not recognize that doing well to those around us and caring for our neighbors and those who are under our responsibility is also a God-honoring and worshipful thing to do? What does it mean to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Jesus brings a radically different perspective to the people of his day than those we're operating with prior. Jesus describes the Sabbath day not as a day of um, oppressive burden, of something that now we're focused on ourself and our self-righteousness, but instead it's, a, it's an invitation to reflect the Lord and love those around us. It's a a day set apart. It's a blessing for us. 
And Jesus comes and he, he brings that invitation. An invitation for a new way of thinking about that day. And sometimes, friends, people can be religious about their rules and rituals. Maybe they're in their actions looking like they're trying to serve God. But their hearts are very far from him. That sometimes in the things that they're doing, they aren't really doing them to serve God, but they're doing it out of a, um, a traditional mindset of religiosity. They're doing it in order to look good in front of others or to think that they have some semblance of godliness. But oftentimes what I find is that people who are very focused on some of those things often have hearts that are not really the heart of God. They're very focused on what they should and shouldn't do, but not really having hearts of compassion that reflects the heart of God to those around them. And so as you consider this and what Jesus is talking about in these different examples here about the Sabbath day, I, I just would encourage you to, to think about that for yourself. What does it look like for you to live a life that is honoring the Lord? Uh, honoring the Lord, yes, on a particular day that you set apart as different from the rest of the week. You know, your heart and life is focused on worshiping Him and your words and in your thoughts and your actions. But really that this would be a lifestyle thing for you. That you would be not so focused on maybe your own preferences or opinions about things, but really focused on the Lord and, and living your life to be a blessing for the sake of his kingdom. And this has a lot of implications once we grasp this, right? Um, a lot of times we think about our relationship with God as bound to a place. You know, we are coming to church on Sunday morning, and that's where we do our God thing. Uh, but then, you know, for the rest of the day or the rest of the week, you know, we're kind of living our lives for ourselves, we're living our lives with our interests, and then Sunday morning comes again, and, you know, we'll go to church and do the God thing again for a short amount of time. And I'm not convinced that that's really what God wants for us. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be coy about that, but I'm just trying to present before you that I think God's wanting... Not just rules and rituals, but I think he's wanting relationship. He, he's wanting you to be following after him with your life. And he gives these things for us, not as burdens or oppressive things, but as a blessing. An invitation to say, God, I'm looking at this day as different. I'm not going to uh, go to work like I normally do. I'm not going to um, do things that are, are, are busy in my mind or concerning me with other things. But I'm just going to rest today. And I'm going to spend this day intentionally thinking about how I can be a blessing both to you and reflecting you and being a blessing to others. It's a day set apart to honor the Lord. And what would it look like for you to adopt that mentality? What would it look like for you to look at this day as an opportunity for you to glorify God through your life and actions? Maybe it means that in some way you're doing some work. You know, maybe it means helping your neighbor shovel their driveway or rake the leaves or whatever. Uh, maybe it means coming alongside someone who's hurting, writing them a card, reaching out to them saying, hey, I love you. I care about you. You're important to me. Uh, maybe the Pharisees would look at that and say, well, those things are work. Maybe they, maybe they are in a way, but when I think about what Jesus describes here, it's a relationship that's reflecting the heart of God to those around us. And that's really uh, the, the greatest commandment, right? Not just to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, but to love our neighbors as ourselves. Those things are honoring to the Lord. And it's a different perspective, a new perspective that Jesus comes and brings. 
He's not just concerned about the letter of the law, but the heart of the law, the spirit of it. He doesn't want just regulations and rules, but he wants relationships. And he wants that for you today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are hearing this today, that you would do a work in their hearts to draw them to yourself. That their hearts and minds wouldn't be consumed just with ritual acts, but with a relationship with you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for today. If you are impacted by the message you heard, please consider donating to the ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.